Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. For Jesus saved my soul that night. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the Old Testament. We'll just take a look at a few verses there that I think will be of interest. Because if there's anything that you begin to question and doubt, it will be the truth of the Word of God. Whether it is or is not really what God says. It does not contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. And therefore, we're to believe what God has put in. I do not believe the Bible was written by men who had an idea. I think I'll write a book. I don't think they even got together and said, I I think I'll write one verse. I believe that God has in this book what God wanted in this book, and God told them the words to write. Now, one of the things that we've always said is, the gold is his, the mold is ours. In other words, if I had pure gold, I wouldn't care what the vessel was. If I poured perfect, pure gold in every one of these vessels, they're all gold, but they have a different shape to them. And God can take the vessel that he uses, individuals, and it seems like it takes upon itself the, well, the image of the person that wrote the book. The, but they were only writers. There's only one author of the entire Bible. So we'll turn there to the book of Exodus in chapter 24. The book of Exodus in chapter 24. Exodus 24, and look down in verse 3. A couple words that I think would be good to underline. And you see there in verse 3, this is on page 99 in a Bible that's uh, in the church pew there. If you want to use one, it'll... I'll even tell you what page it's on. But Exodus 24 and verse 3. And Moses came and told the people, and get this, all the words of the Lord. See the word words? It's not just that it contains the thoughts, but the very words of the Lord. You see, that's why I don't like even translation to try to give you the thought. Because I'm not sure of the thought because it can be changed by one word or two words arranged differently. I want to know what is every word. And so that's what you find here. And notice in the next part of the verse here, and all the people answered with one voice, 
and said, and you ought to underline this phrase there in your Bible, all the words which the Lord hath said, we will do. And Moses, what did he do? Wrote all the words of the Lord. So did Moses write the first five books that he was the author of it? Or did he write the words that God told him to write? God told him what to write. And he wrote all the words and rose up early in the morning and built an altar under the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the children of Israel, which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he sprinkled it on the altar. And he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, and you ought to underline this little statement because it's kind of like God and Israel being married together. Because he gave the word, and they heard the word, and they said, all that he hath commanded us, we will do. So it was God accepting them, and them accepting God, and later on you'll find out Israel was the wife of Jehovah. And here's God, and here's a woman by the name of Israel, 12 tribes, and God, the father, and Israel, the mother, the woman, was going to have a son. And it would be the son that God, the father, placed the seed in that line that came on down the road called Jesus. And so God had a son, and it was delivered through the nation of Israel. And God told how it would happen, when it would happen, and everything about Jesus Christ. Because the words, the very words, are very important. And look at the next part of the verse 8. So in the last part of verse 7 says, And all that the Lord had said, we will do, and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and says, We are now married. Behold the blood of the covenant, which the Lord hath made with you concerning all these. And you had on the line that one little word, words, because it is important that the words are seen. Take your Bible now and turn to the book of Second Samuel. Second Samuel in chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. Time has rolled on. Something new now is happening. A man by the name of David has come on the scene. And God has said some things about David that he's the apple of his eye. And David, he loved the Lord so much, he uh, was called the sweet psalmist of Israel. And it says here in verse 1, now, these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, not Martinez, it's the same one. David, the son of Jesse said, and the man who was raised up on high the anointed of the God of Jacob and the sweet psalmist of Israel. Isn't that something for God to say that about you? God must have listened to what he said. God must have listened to him sing. God must have been pleased by somebody singing. I've often wondered what the Lord does whenever I try to sing a special. God's up there going, oh, that sounds so good. Or does he go like, no, no, no. 
But anyway, in verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord spake by me. The Holy Spirit spake by me. And get this, and you ought to unline it. And his word was in my tongue. His word was in my tongue. In other words, David didn't make up the words that he wrote in the Bible. He wrote because the Spirit of God was upon him and the Holy Spirit spake through him. And the very words were important. And he says here in verse 3, The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me. Now the rock of Israel is a title that's, well, it kind of goes to Jesus Christ. He is the rock of Israel. He's the foundation. And you'll read some of that in the book of Isaiah. He that ruleth over men must be just Ruling in the fear of God. Wouldn't it be neat if we had politicians today that would be just ruling in the fear of God? Men that are just. Take your Bible and look in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 51. Isaiah 51. Isaiah 51. And uh, there's a a verse that's uh, very interesting. And you'll notice in verse 16, where the Lord makes his statement. I have put my words in thy mouth. That little phrase, you ought to underline it. Because see, if you don't believe that the Bible is true and just men interjected here and there, their thoughts and so forth like that, then you won't know whether or not, well, how do I, that man's not God. Is that man's word infallible? But if God spoke through the man, and God used the man, and gave the man the very words to say, then I can can believe all of the Bible. And he says, put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, thou art my people. So, this is why... It's important to read the Bible, but reading the Bible, believing that it is the Word of God. And the Bible proves itself to be what it claims to be. This book came from God. If it came from just men or parts of it, then what is real and what's not? What's true and not true? So you need to take all of that as the Word of God. Now, look in the very next book is the book of Jeremiah. Look in Jeremiah chapter 1. Jeremiah and chapter 1. This is on page 772. But you'll notice uh, some things about the Lord. See, just look in first of all in verse 4. Then we'll work up to verse 10. But verse 4, then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying... Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Well, who said that? Well, God did. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Now, who said that? Well, God did. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Well, who said that? Well, God did. Uh, Did God know before he was born, while he was being formed in the belly, he was going to be a guy and not a girl? 
He didn't make this girl the prophet. But he knew. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. What's he going to speak? Whatever God commands him to speak. And verse 8, Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Why did God say, be not afraid of their faces? Is there a possibility that he might be afraid of their faces? When you're going to talk to people who are already hard-headed and stiff-necked, don't want to hear it, and God says, "Ah, that's who I'm sending you to. Read the book of Jeremiah, chapter 3, and see what God told Jeremiah. Not to be afraid of their faces. Because isn't it true sometimes we judge whether or not somebody's going to be receptive or not receptive based upon how they look at us? The kind of look they have on their face. And we become afraid. So we know that that little sweet little old lady is going to be really receptive. And she's liable to chew you up and spit you out. And some great big old man will be so humble and sweet and nice and kind and listen to everything that's just said. But he says here in verse 9, Then the Lord put forth his hand and Touched my mouth. You ought to underline those three little words. Touched my mouth. Now, when you read Isaiah in chapter 6, where Isaiah says, In the year that King Uzziah died, he lifted up his eyes and he saw the Lord. And he says, Holy, holy, holy. And then he says, I am a man of unclean lips. And God said, I got a job that needs to be done. Who shall I send? And he says, here am I, Lord, send me. You see, God likes to send people that want to go. And there's people that God has, says, I can't find anybody. Nobody wants to serve me. And so in the book of uh, Ezekiel, he says, and I found none. He found none. But he says, now, here's what I want you to do. You're going to talk in such a way that if God's going to start over, he's going to have to... Um, Destroy what's there. So he had an enemy come in and take them and put them in another country. Seventy years later, he brings them back into the land. And you read Nehemiah and Esther and uh, Ezra, then you'll find out that they, they like had a revival. Because it says that they caused the people in Nehemiah chapter 8, that they had to, and also in Ezra, they had the people stand while they read the word of God. And evidently, they read five books, and the people were so burdened and broken, they wanted to do the will of God. And so they had a, like a revival. The word of God is powerful. But he says here, I have put my words in your mouth. But in verse 10, he says, see, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdom to root out, to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build, and to plant. See, you want to build and plant something, sometimes you have to clean, you know, the plate and get things and start over again. Well, this is what God was going to have to do. Now, take your Bible and turn to the book of um, Psalms 19, the 19th Psalm. In the 19th Psalm, it talks an awful lot about the Word of God and how that we're supposed to 
see things through the eyes of the Word of God. I remember Mike Otto wrote the song, Let Me See This World As Though I Were Looking Through Your Eyes. Because if I could see it the way you see it, I just know I'd serve you more faithfully. Well, whenever you see the world through the eyes of God, you'll have to go to the Bible. And through the Bible, you'll see how God sees and how God thinks. Now, look in verse 1. This is Psalms 19. This is on page 607. The heavens declare the glory of God. And you can go out and you can see the stars and you can see the moon and you can see the sun. You see all of that and all the grandeur of the heavens and come to the conclusion that is the handiwork of God. You say, how do you know it's the handiwork of God? Well, did you do it? Well, I didn't do it. Well, if you didn't do it and I didn't do it, well, who did it? It had to be somebody bigger than you or I. It was the Lord himself. God did it. And he says, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. So God says, all of this is God leaving signs, leaving tracks. And I mentioned this before when I used to go elk hunting in Colorado. Love to come across some fresh tracks. You know where you see where an elk has been or a a big old mule deer has been. And you can follow those tracks and those tracks will lead you to the animal. Because... They all leave tracks. God says the evidence of God is all these tracks that he's left. And there are things that you didn't do it and I didn't do it. So the world itself is one big track that God left. And so he says day unto day uttereth speech. Night unto night showeth knowledge. In other words, they teach us about God. Teach us about God. So that's why. The world that God made and the word that God gave both have to agree. Because it's God over the word and God over the world. And they're both evidences of God. But the world only tells us that there is a God and he's a big God and he's a powerful God. But the word of God tells us that this God is personal. He has, you know, he has uh, abilities uh, he can think and reason. He can see. And all the things that we know about the characteristics of God, we know that through the word of God. So there in verse 3, there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. Did you know that those things that we see are in God's, those are words. Words that tells you somebody said this word. And that word is something that God has done that speaks about God himself. And so then he makes a statement. In verse 5, which is as a bridegroom, talking about our son, cometh out of his chamber, rejoices as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heavens and his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Now, he talks about something separate from the world. There's the world. Now he's going to talk about the word. And he's in charge of both. So in verse 7, the law of the Lord, which is the word of God, is perfect converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. 
The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. All that the word of God and its descriptions of its character can do something to you. Now, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 4, verse 12, it says, And the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Well, whatever the word of God is, the word of God can make you. If the word of God is sharp, it can make you sharp. If the word of God is alive, it can make you alive. And that's why when you trusted Christ as your Savior, it's because you believed the word and the word of God can make you perfect. Your new birth is born of God. It's perfect. And so you and I are supposed to learn these things. So he says here in verse 9, The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold. Now just stop and think. The treasures that we dig out of the mind of the word of God is worth more than the gold and the silver that we find in the world. That's also mentioned in Proverbs in chapter 2. Look what else he says here. More to be desired of they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. Now, I understand like that. Your servant is warned. How? By the scriptures. So when you read the word of God, expect certain verses to warn you of something. You don't let your own imagination run wild with you. Don't go according to your own mind, your own thinking, your own thoughts. That's why you're supposed to lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. So he says here, and in, get this, in keeping of them there is great reward. Great reward. So if there's great rewards, when do we get rewarded for what we do for the Lord? Here or later? When we get to heaven. And there's great reward. So that means if we're going to get rewarded there, then whatever we're supposed to do, we're supposed to do now. Here. In this life. And if we will, then there's great reward waiting for you. How do we know that's true? Because God just said so. You know it's true. So because you know the word of God is true and God does not lie, therefore, we can obey the Lord and go ahead and keep trusting him from day to day. Have you ever found that sometimes life just plainly seems boring? It didn't just seem like a waste. You ever think that sometimes you don't want to get out of bed? And you can work all day and feel like you accomplished nothing or nothing was of value. It's so easy for those things to happen. In other words, it's so easy for God's people to become weary in well-doing. We're doing right, but we get weary. And so therefore God says, lest you slip, lest you become faint and wearied in your mind. And when you faint, you lose, well, consciousness. And a lot of God's people have lost consciousness. So he makes this statement here in verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Do you really understand all the reasons why you do what you do? Have you done things that you look back on? I should have never done that. Or thought things that uh, you shouldn't have thought that either. Well, that's what he's talking about. You know, kind of like secret sins. Sometimes... 
we don't fully understand all the wrong that we do for the simple reason we're easily deceived. Can you deceive yourself? Have you been deceived? Can somebody else deceive you? And you can let all those things work on your mind and you can imagine things and think things that never happened. And you can think people, you know, like they're out to get you. And maybe nobody's out to you. Everybody's having a rough time. If you have an old sinful nature, you're going through the same thing everybody else is going through too. You've got to struggle with it. It's a battle. And so then he says here in verse 13, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins or secret sins, things you don't want to do. You see, this is why, what did he say that would be the conclusion of this matter? Uh, Look what the Word of God can. You go up here to verse 7 down through here. Look what the Word of God is. So if you don't read and study the Word of God, you will not be as discerning concerning things in your life that really destroys your life. It can permeate your thinking and cause you to be negative in your thinking. And you're always down and discouraged and always whining about something and complaining about something. That's an inside job. I have a title that I'm thinking about for the missions conference called Happy Harvesters. Happy Harvesters. Because if we're down here, and I mentioned this to Jesse earlier, let's just pretend we're all in heaven. Okay? We're all in heaven. And here's all these people down on the earth, but we're not. We're, we're up there with him. And God says, I would like to have some volunteers who are willing to go down there and be able to reap a harvest. Go down there and try to work in the vineyard and do whatever you can because the fields are white to harvest, but I need some laborers. Is there anybody who would like to volunteer to go? Of course, Warren's hands right up there. He just went right off the bat. And Jesse. And, and so uh, let's say all of y'all volunteered uh, along with me. And we were the only ones to leave heaven and come down here to the earth. And we are the only ones God can depend upon to reap a harvest. But lo and behold, we didn't know they had television. We didn't know they had beaches. We didn't know we could go on cruises. We didn't know we could come down here and have a good time like this. Would it be easy for us to get sidetracked? It would be difficult for us to stay on track and do what he wants us to do. Well, that's what we're supposed to do. The only thing that's going to help us is keep remembering. Now, what was his command again? What what did he tell us to do? I, I forgot. You know, it's been so long, I don't remember what we're supposed to be doing down here. Is it possible for us just to start drifting? And after a while, we influence each other because after all, Warren decided he just wanted to become a millionaire. That's all he cared about was being a millionaire. And now look at him. He's got 15 houses. He's got all these yachts. And he's just sunning himself every day and living like a, you know, Liberace. And look at him. Well, if he's going to do that, I am too. Can I let him influence me? Can I get weary in well-doing if I see what he's doing? And next thing you know, somebody else. And then somebody else dropped off and somebody else dropped off. You know, it wouldn't take long for all of us to be totally ruined because of the love of the world, 
lust of the flesh and the pride of life. And here's God up in heaven looking over the banister and says, oh, my goodness. Well, is there anybody else that will go for me? And God's always looking for somebody to go for him. He says, pray ye the Lord of the harvest. And somebody, And it'd be like us being able to leave heaven and come to the earth. And we ought to be so happy, so excited, so thrilled that we have a part in doing this for God. Amazing Amazes me. Dr. Arnold has many items to help you in your walk with the Lord, including videos, books, tracks, outlines to hundreds of sermons, over 4,000 radio messages, and preaching schedule. Once again, feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. That's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace.